Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. This has been one tumultuous week. Politics, that's what it's all about this week. Trump, Trump, Trump. We don't even hear that much about Hillary. Again, it's Trump, Trump, Trump. The only thing that bothers me is he never seems to talk about policy issues. He never seems to talk about how we're going to put people to work, how we are going to do it, how we're going to restructure our roads, our bridges, our schools, uh, how we're going to save Social Security. Let's talk about these things. He doesn't address them, I think, probably because he doesn't have the capacity to, and I say that with all due respect. I'm I'm on in my ears. I voted for my first president in 1956, a long time ago, Adlai Stevenson. And I've got to tell you, I have never in all these years, and I have not missed one presidential campaign, I have never seen a campaign such as this. It's irregular. It's off the wall. It's difficult to understand. It makes me wonder where we're going as a nation. What's going to happen? Uh, I'm not overly impressed with both candidates so we understand each other, though I am more impressed with Hillary than Trump. I'd like to start the show tonight just talking about discussing, sharing with you some of my thoughts about Trump, uh, about things that have been happening this week, too. They are interrelated. Uh, President, the president today said this morning or yesterday, he said, Trump is unfit to serve as president. I do not recall any president in his last term uh, where he's out of business, you know, come January 20th, he's no longer president, uh, ever get involved in a presidential campaign in all these years since 1956. Generally, that, that president, who is in his second term and he cannot run again, sits back and says, not my fight, boys, it's up to you. You two battle it out, all right? And they battle it out. And just think, do you ever hear Bush 2 talk about it, about things in the campaign, or Bush 1? Bush 1 would have because he lost. Uh, but some of the others that ran had two terms behind him, Ronald Reagan, for example. But our president does, and why does Trump do it? I honestly believe, and I'm unhappy with Trump in many instances, though I am a Democrat and I am a liberal. I think Trump honestly believes this man is incompetent. Uh, and would not make a good president, would not even make a fair president. Another thing is there is a congressman in upstate New York by the name of Richard Hanna. You've been hearing about him all day today on television. I know Richard Hanna. Richard Hanna is the congressman from my former congressional district in central New York. I, I know him as a member of the community, a fellow participant in community affairs. We were not uh, drinking buddies or golf playing buddies or anything like that. I just knew him as a businessman to be respected. He's about 20, 30 years younger than me also. Uh, never, had, never knew his parents. He grew up an orphan. He did not have to run for Congress. He had an excavation and sewer laying business that made him a ton of money. And everyone hired him because he was straight. He was honest. 
and they admired that. They knew he was going to get a fair price, but he wasn't going to screw you as the customer. Well, it was announced by Hannah that he's not running. He's been in Congress three three terms. Why he ever ran in the first place, I don't know. I would have to believe, knowing of his background and his nature, that he thought he could make a difference. Well, he announced that he's retiring, and he's not voting for Trump. He's voting for Hillary. Uh, and I can understand why he's not running, because he's the type of guy that would say, I'm wasting my time in Washington. I can't get anything done here. No one gets anything done. And I'm going to tell the people, I don't like what Trump is saying and how he's going to handle things. A man to be admired has no reason to be doing this. He's not running for a reelection. He'll probably never work another day in his life. He has enough money, but he can't take Trump. Moving on here. Today, Trump says he doesn't know if he's going to support Paul Ryan in a primary. And he said he's definitely not supporting John McCain in a primary. And this all has to do with the, the con affair in Trump, the captain who was killed, the, the father and mother went on TV at the Democratic National Convention. And, and no question about it, said we are for uh, Hillary, and we're not for you, Trump, and here's why. And this has been an ongoing battle. Trump, instead of coming back and saying, I respect your son and I respect you, he comes back and knocks the hell out of these people for all kinds of improper reasons, which has been hurting him badly. I think this is the worst mistake he has made, how he has handled this family of the war, a war-dead person. Uh and he isn't supporting, he hasn't decided on Ryan because Ryan hasn't come out yet and said, I support you. And McCain's already come out and said, he hasn't said, I'm not going to support you, but everything he's saying indicates he's not gonna, going to support him. Uh, now, let's talk about Khan and Trump. Khan, oh, first, I want to talk, about, though, about Trump's support. Who is supporting Donald Trump? He is being supported by middle-class, white, uneducated American, and by younger, white, uneducated people. The reason the older whites are supporting him, these are normally Democrats, they are supporting him because these are the people that were the middle class. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, these people were making $25, $35 an hour. Now they don't even have jobs. If they can get one, they're lucky to get one for a third of $25 or $35 an hour. And they want what they had before. They had a taste of what everyone had. They had a taste of the good life. It wasn't Trump's life, but it was a good life. And they want that back again. And they believe that a man like Trump, can get it back for them because he's going to take on everybody and everything that hurt them from their perspective and put them in the position they are in today. And the younger people, the, the blue-collar workers, uh, they just think there's a better path with this guy. They'll be able to make more money, uh, and he'll take good care of them because he talks like someone that's standing up to the system, and he is. Those are my thoughts on the support. Now let's come to this con affair. Uh, the mother and father appeared at the Democratic National Convention, uh, and father spoke, mother didn't. Father said, I'm very unhappy with Trump, and we are unhappy for this reason, blah, blah, blah. And he pulled out a copy of the Constitution, a small pa pa pocketbook, 
out of his pocket and asked Trump if he had ever read the Constitution. Well, Trump's made a big deal out of this, to his detriment, I believe. And you can't, how can you knock? How can you demean? How can you put down the parents of an army captain who died defending his country in the service of his country? A gold star mother. How can you make fun of her? You just don't do these things. But he's doing it. And he doesn't get the message now. It's that what? These people talked Thursday night, Wednesday night. He talked, the husband, though they were both on television. Uh, and here it is Tuesday night. And this, this is still ongoing. And it's ongoing, this con dispute, because Trump keeps it alive. But he doesn't keep it alive by saying, I'm sorry. I misspoke, and here's what I really meant. No, yeah, you, probably the wife didn't speak because she can't, and I don't like this, and I, this person's doing that. Wrong. The man does not exercise good judgment. And the reason he doesn't exercise good judgment is because he doesn't have good judgment. Uh, Mike Pence this morning, the vice presidential candidate, was at a rally, spoke at a rally, and in the group, listening to him, was the mother of someone who is now fighting in the military for the United States. He's overseas somewhere. And she got up and she asked Pence a question. Uh, you know, how did he really feel uh, about this con affair, et cetera, et cetera. And you know what happened? Before Pence could even respond, okay, uh, because he was smart enough to know how to handle it when he did, the people started booing. Everyone in that room booed. You can see it on television. They've been repeating it. They were booing at her, yelling at her, because they like Donald Trump and how he's handling these people, the parents of this dead American soldier who fought to give them freedom of speech on the floor this morning. And it scares the hell out of me, because these people that are supporting him, and I'm talking now again, about the blue-collar, white, uneducated American, middle-aged, and the younger ones, these people don't seem to have respect. You must respect certain values. This, this soldier who died, he has value. The people who raised him have a value. But the people who support Trump don't respect them because they are opposed to Trump, to their hero, to their savior. And this is a very scary thing, extremely scary, that his, this happens today in our society. Now, interesting things about Donald Trump. Uh, I'm on his ass tonight. I think this man is terrible for my country, terrible for your country. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I've been saying it. I've been writing about it for months besides. The New York Times announced, the New York Times Trump said he's not going to live in the White House if he's elected. He is not going to live in the White House. He thinks the White House needs a complete renovation. $100 million alone, he said, for a ballroom so he can properly entertain foreign guests. $100 million. Well, <laughs> one-third of our children in this country, 35, was it 35 children in this country? Uh, or 35% of the children in this country are homeless, sleeping in abandoned cars, going to school without breakfast or lunch, uh, not taking showers or brushing their teeth. I, I, I can't believe this. But yet he wants to spend $100 million uh, to take care of the ballroom so he can more effectively, more impressively 
entertain foreign guests. Uh, doesn't make sense to me. He'll be the first president not to live in the present White House. Uh, why? He should be proud that he can live there for whatever number of years he might be elected. I know where he's going to live in Washington if he's elected. He's going to live in the Trump Hotel. He's building another Trump Towers. It's not really that tall. It's the old post, post office building. I saw this building and went through the first floor about two years ago when I was visiting Washington, D.C. He's taken this beautiful old structure in the middle of all these federal buildings, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a triumph to Trump. It's going to be magnificent. And I should see him taking the top two floors and letting the government pay him rent because they're using his property. Uh, now, how do I say this? Trump keeps saying consistently that he has a high IQ. He has one of the highest. What is his IQ? He's never told us. Has he ever taken the test? I've taken the test. I know my IQ. I took it when I was in college or in high school. They made us take the IQ test. Uh, he is no, <coughs> excuse me, genius or high IQ person. You can tell merely from the way he talks. He can't. He isn't consistent with his thought process. He jumps around. He doesn't really stay with one thing. He doesn't directly respond. And here's the man running for president, and he doesn't know what the important things are he should be talking about uh, to help our country, to save our country. I wish he would take an IQ test. Then we'd really know. Uh, I'll bet you money <laughs> this man would not qualify with a high IQ. I'm not saying he's a dunce. I'm not saying he's stupid. But you can see. Sometimes he is ignorant. There's no question about it. Sometimes he's plain stupid. Uh, he tries to show his smarts, but he doesn't have the smarts to be president of our country. Which brings me now, you never thought I'd get here, did you? Hillary Clinton. I'm going to talk about her, but I'm only going to say one thing about Hillary Clinton. We rarely hear about her these days. Everything is Trump. But here's what bothers me about Hillary. Uh, there came a point several weeks ago where I was not going to vote for either of them, Trump or Hillary now I've decided I'm going to vote for Hillary because if I don't vote for Hillary, I'm in effect voting for Trump. And I've got to make sure Hillary beats Trump because she is the worst of two evils. Isn't that terrible? Most people in this country who vote for Hillary Clinton will be voting on that basis that she is better than Trump. Trump is the worst of two evils. I want to make sure I said that correctly. Here's what bothers me. She recently was... Uh, being questioned, interviewed by Fox, Fox's Chris Wallace, and he asked her about the lying uh, that the FBI Director Comey claims she, she did, and he testified to, by the way, before a congressional investigation a couple of days later, and it's clear that she lied about certain things. Uh, isn't it strange, my friends, today, we elect people as president who lie 
both sides, not just this campaign and previous campaigns, too. It's expected now of our leaders. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We, 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 try to, we try to vote for the one who lies the least. And in this case, it's really obvious. But anyhow, she says, oh, no, I didn't lie with, uh, regarding the emails any place. And I'm glad, Chris, you asked me because it's easy to explain. It was the same bullshit she gave us for over a year. They caught you. They caught you with your pants down there. Own up to it. No problem. The American public knows both of you have sinned, okay? Uh, and whatever your lies were aren't a big deal, okay? That's simple. That's enough of Hillary. Now I want to talk about Zika, the mosquito disease that is pan- panicking the world and is panicking the United States now. Here in Florida... We're going crazy, and it's like 48 or 72 hours. Here's what's happening. Miami, uh, a certain neighborhood in Miami, uh, 15 reported cases in the last three or four days of Zika. This is up through mid-afternoon today. The number's up to 15. Uh, the governor's gone on television, and he says, oh, we got to watch out for this. we got to take care. We're trying to do everything we can. Understand, Florida has a lot of mosquitoes. Key West, we're full of we're full of wildlands down here. You know, we've got all these mangrove islands. We've got mosquitoes all over the place. And we have a mosquito control board, which very properly and well takes care of this problem. I, in my 16 years of living here, I don't think I've seen more than three mosquitoes any place on the island because we have a mosquito control board. They fly airplanes. They spray. They investigate your property every couple of months to make sure you don't have little pools of water, et cetera, et cetera. Well, anyhow, they're going at it in Miami. Uh, all get out. Uh, they're trying to – they want to know where it started. They can't figure it out because none of these 15 people have been out of the country. Uh, and they're worried that it's spreading. The federal government is involved, and what they have been doing, they started yesterday, federal agents are going door-to-door in the neighborhood and asking those who live there to provide a urine sample. They want to test everyone's urine to see how this thing is spreading, how many people have it, but may not be sick, et cetera, et cetera. Let's talk about Venezuela. Nicolas Maduro, this guy... (laughs) I don't know. I I keep saying, I've been talking about him for three years. When he first got elected, I could see he was a horse's ass. He is a horse's ass. He's the guy that three years ago, the first thing that happened when he became president, he ran out of toilet paper. How do you run out of toilet paper? That is a national crisis. And do you want to know something? They're still out of toilet paper today. They don't have enough toilet paper. That is a tragedy. Well, They've gone through a lot of things they know. Now they can't work. Uh, I think they're work- the public people work one day a week because there's not enough electrical power, electrical grid, to keep the buildings going and open the other six days of the week. They don't have enough food. I mean, the farmers don't grow because they can't, it's too expensive to grow and they can't sell it to make a profit. The stores don't have anything to sell. The people don't have anything to, any money to buy if the stores had something to sell. And they're starving, these people. I reported two weeks ago that Venezuelans were doing one of two things. They were eating their pets. Yes, their dogs and cats, they were killing and eating them. Uh, Or they were taking them and dropping them off on a roadside somewhere. 
uh, because they couldn't feed them any longer. If they can't feed their own families, their own children, how can they feed their pets? And other people were picking up the dogs and cats that had been abandoned, killing them and eating them. Now you say, that's disgusting. But we're talking about survival. And guess what was reported yesterday? Uh, I, it's, 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 it's almost impossible to believe. They have zoos, like every country in Venezuela. And people have been breaking into the zoos in the evening and stealing animals, which the government police people are killing and eating afterwards. This past weekend, Sunday, I believe it was, in Caracas, the major city in Venezuela, in their large zoo, some people broke in in the middle of the night, took a horse that was on exhibit. All that was left in the morning when the zoo opened again was the horse's head and his ribs. Everything else was gone. The meat was all taken. Some people, some families are eating today because of that. This is a drastic scenario. Uh, and what is he doing about it, Maduro? Nothing. It is, he is like Fidel Castro. Worse, though. Worse. Uh, the government controls everything. The army controls everything in Venezuela. He has now put in charge of every federal department, every national department, a general. Okay, and he two weeks ago he put a general in charge of food distribution. They got soldiers out there because people try to steal food. The little bit there is, and the soldiers shoot them. Uh, last year. People were unhappy in Venezuela. They couldn't eat. They didn't have enough food. And we know what Maduro did. He, this reminded me of Jimmy Carter when we didn't have enough oil back when it was the late 70s. And we couldn't fuel our houses enough. And during the winter, we had to keep our temperature down to about 55. Uh, and it was cold. And Carter went on national television. And he said, he said, I've, and they, this was drummed up. The show was going to be a solution to our problem of being cold this winter. And he said, wear a sweater. Wear a sweater. Well, Maduro last year created a new federal department, you know, a new, new cabinet uh, seat uh, within the government. And I think he called it the, um, oh, the Director of Supreme Happiness. That was it. Director of Supreme Happiness. And this guy's job, a general, of course, was to go out and make the people happy. Make them believe they were happy or are happy. Sounds like Joseph Goebbels from uh, the, the Nazi background. Uh, this is what Maduro's doing. I do not understand, and I keep saying this, why the people have not revolted. They're absolutely crazy down there living under these terms. I've got, um, I've got to say something else, too, and this is inconsistent with what I just said. There was a picture, oh, I think on the front page of the Wall Street Journal about a week ago, because Colombia is next door to, to Venezuela, or Ecuador, I forget which country it was, and they opened the border so the Venezuelans, for a period of several hours over two days, could go across the border to buy some food, to buy thing. I don't know where they get the money to buy rice, to buy flour, to buy oil, to buy toilet paper, to buy toothpaste. And 115,000 Venezuelans went across the border and came home after buying some of these goods. 
I looked at the picture. It was a big picture. There had to be several hundred people walking across the border in the picture. You know what bothered me? They were all healthy appearing. There wasn't a skinny person in the group. They weren't fat, but everyone had a gut, male and female. The kids all looked healthy. I don't understand. I don't understand the news, and I don't understand what I saw in the picture. That's enough of that. Okay, where are we now? We're going to talk about Germany. Uh, Angela Merkel, I have been saying, I, I hate to talk this way, I have been saying, but I've been saying this about her for two or three years. She's totally incompetent. She was going to destroy Germany. She is in the process of destroying Germany. She would destroy Germany, I said, after she destroyed most of Europe, which she did to Italy, to Greece, to Spain, to Portugal, all right, to Cyprus. And this is what she's done. Now what's happening over there? Well, they don't want her anymore, the people, because she said she was going to take in a million and a half Muslim immigrants. They've taken in... I don't know how many in the hundreds of thousands. Germany is totally disrupted, totally disrupted. Uh, you know, you can't feed and educate all these people, especially the children. Uh, it just can't be done. And uh, what are you going to do? They want her out. She screwed up the country. Now, what was it, two weeks ago in Germany, uh, there was a, at some railroad station two or three weeks ago, I think it was in Berlin or some other big city, uh, a bunch of Muslims attacked and raped a, a large number of German women because they have no respect for women, period. So Merkel's not popular today. Let's talk about Sweden. Sweden has always historically been a wonderful country. Sweden was socialism personified before it even was popular. I, I'm talking several hundred years ago. And Sweden was the first to take in the Muslims. And it only took five years. They started taking them in 10 years ago. It only took five years for they took in too many immigrants. They take good care of them, very socialistic society. Uh, and, you know, they're trying, to, they're, they're trying. They're trying to get these people assimilated. They don't give up the Swedes, even though it screwed up their country. Well, it was announced yesterday by the Swiss government that they are now taking Swiss youngsters. I'm talking about kids. And they are paying them. To play with the Muslim children, $4.25 an hour is being paid by the Swedish government uh, to <laughs> their own children to play with Muslim children. So Muslim children will get to understand uh, the Swedish way of life and how they think, etc. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, now, we'll go to England. England and Wales. England, boy, let me tell you something. They have taken whole neighborhoods as they have in France, but not as much as France and England. The Muslim immigrants, because they've been going in there for 15 years. They, they had a head start in England. And they, 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 the government announced that in the past year, 900 Muslims, Syrian Muslims, were arrested for rape and child abuse. These are the people that they welcomed, in, welcomed them in, gave them a roof over their heads, food on the table, a bed to sleep, and a school to educate their children, hopefully in certain cases a job, if not a welfare-type check. And they're out there raping uh, and women and committing child abuse. There is a concern. I'm not talking about the rapes now. I'm talking about what England did. 
they voted, Great Britain voted to get out of the European Union. Angela Merkel screwed the whole of Europe with the European Union. It was Germany's idea. And she was smart. She knew when they went into it 15, 17 years ago, Germany was wealthy. They were making money. And Germany would, in effect, indirectly be loaning money to the rest of Europe. They would make a ton of money on the interest, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Germany's got all their money invested in the Euro Union, okay? And people can't pay. We know the Greeks can't pay. The Italians can't pay. Uh, the Spanish can't pay. If Germany does not get paid back, they're out of business. They're going to go bankrupt, in effect. And the wheels are still already starting to move that way. So you're going to see Angela Merkel working harder now, harder now, to keep the Euro Union together. Because <coughs> she has to make sure Germany gets repaid the money it loaned out. Okay. Oh, boy. I write a column. Well, my time's up. I can't even tell you. I think i got a minute left here. Uh, I want to tell you about this quickly. I've been wanting to share this with you for a couple of weeks. They said Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Nero fiddled, you can see it in your mind, while Rome burned. Actually, he didn't. Nero, number one at the time, wasn't in Rome. He was 35 miles away in his pavilion or his home in the country. And the fiddle, which he is accused of playing while Rome burned, had not been invented yet. There was no such thing as the fiddle. I don't know if you're interested in that. I found it very interesting historical fact. Thank you for joining me. Uh, this show is going over terrific, by the way. I'm just sharing this information with you because my numbers are better and better, I am told. And I've got advertisers now. I think this is wonderful. I'm glad people in, was it, three years have taken hold on the show. And I'm glad you join me uh, every week and you listen to the show. And it's archived version on Blog Talk Radio, YouTube, and it's linked to my Key West Lou website. I write a blog every morning. Not like this. It's about Key West. Uh, little little politics. You may want to read it, keywestlou.com. You'll love it. It's, it's like a diary. It's my diary. I've been writing it now for 12 years down here. Read it. You may enjoy it. I thank you again for joining me, and I look forward to being with you again next week. <laughs>